Maybe I'm crazy, but MJ is also the goat of petty. Mm -hmm. It's very, very petty today. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Welcome to Maybe I'm Crazy Podcast. I'm Joy Taylor. Very excited. My fiance, Earl Watson, is joining us again. He's our favorite guest, and he breaks down uh, the NBA like no one else can. He's going to be on NBA TV this year, so we'll be able to check him out on there and uh, get his analysis on all the games. We'll actually be there this weekend, so you can check him out on there. Um, we're going to talk about the Cowboys, the Eagles, uh, who's going to be the MVP, who's going to win the AFC. As I said, Michael Jordan being very petty. Um, he was actually drinking some tequila while he was being petty. So it's like a level up to normal petty. Um, we'll talk about the Ravens, the Saints, Mitch Trubisky. Oof, Trubisky's. Earl calls him Trubisky's. And he was very Trubisky's <laughs> yeah. uh, this weekend. And then, of course, culture report with Miss T as usual. But let's get started with Earl. All right, 17-year NBA veteran, four-year starter at UCLA, former NBA head coach, and our favorite guest and my fiance, Earl Watson, is joining us. Thanks for coming in, babe. Thanks for having me. Um, you look nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. So we were kind of have the NBA season starting tonight and uh, everyone's obviously excited about that. Preseason has been kind of interesting. There's already been a major injury with Zion Williamson. Some, you know, Paul George is going to be out for a little while. Steve Kerr said Clay Thompson's not probably not going to be back this season. So some things are kind of starting to unfold before the season even starts. But we were talking about, you know, the predictions. Everyone's predicting what's going to happen this year. I want to start with. Uh, the MVP, right? Because the MVP has kind of become a, a, not a entirely a popularity contest, but there, there's a narrative that's spun throughout the season and it kind of leads up to who's going to be MVP this year. So I'm looking around at kind of some of the uh, analyst predictions for who's going to win MVP. I'm seeing Giannis. I'm seeing Joel Embiid. I'm seeing Anthony Davis. Uh, I, I don't see it with any of them, but I'm, I also haven't been able to really pinpoint who I would predict for MVP this year based off of how the MVP has gone for the past couple of years. So if you had to pick an MVP right now, preseason, before the season starts, who would it be? Well, a lot of things factor into being MVP. I think one thing that factors in into being MVP in the NBA is win shares. What team is going to be dominant and maybe win their, their, you know, their conference. So, you know, Milwaukee's going to be there every year. Right. And then behind them, you have Embiid. And if um, Simmons can hit threes, maybe he's in that running. But when you go to the West, I think the Lakers are going to win the West. And the only reason why I say that is because if you really track Kawhi's history of playing since the injury, just one season, he's not going to play every game. Right. He's going to do, you know, the low management. He's going to pace himself. He comes from the San Antonio Spurs. uh kind of like, you know, program of, you know, pop believes in pounding the rock. That's 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 their model, pound the rock. You pound the rock every day and the rock breaks in June when you win a championship. And right. he's going to pace himself towards that. So that tells me just like last season in Toronto, they're not going to win the East. They're not going to be the number one seed, but he doesn't care. Because if you're playing the, the Lakers for the Western Conference Championship, where's the game? It's in L.A. Right. You know, so it doesn't matter. You don't have to travel. So he's going to pace himself and be ready for the playoffs. The Lakers and LeBron know LeBron only knows one way when he's healthy. That's every game possible. He's going to play. He's going to be dominant. There's no way Anthony Davis is going to have better stats than him because LeBron is going to have the ball. Even if Anthony Davis scores more points, who's giving him the assist? LeBron. Right. Right. So I think LeBron is going to be MVP of our league. And I think he's coming back, and he's not going to talk about it. He's going to subtly just let all the predictions go out there, and then before you know it, 
down the stretch, LeBron is putting up crazy numbers. My only thing is, I feel like some LeBron will be cannibalized by AD and vice versa. And I also don't have a lot of faith that Anthony Davis is going to not miss games because no. he has a tendency to miss games. Yeah, and LeBron doesn't, only when he's really injured. So the yeah. thing about LeBron, like, here's basketball, right? LeBron is the point forward. If you see the predictions for the starters, he's the point guard, right? When right. you're the point guard, you control all the plays. And we all know LeBron is going to run what he sees fit but in that moment. But he keeps saying they're going to run through Anthony Davis. Yeah, Anthony Davis comes set a screen. If you roll, you open. If not, I'm going to take it and score. He's not going to throw the ball to Anthony Davis and spot up. LeBron's going to be a spot-up player? Like, I'm, I'm on the I wing. That's like, just what he's saying. He's going to be Russell Westbrook and be, like, just on the on the wing now, Russell and, and with the Rockets, like, waiting to shoot. No. LeBron is going to have the ball. He's going to run the pick and roll. Anthony Davis is either going to pop for a three or he's going to roll to the rim. Now you got LeBron and Anthony Davis. LeBron's the ball handler. Anthony Davis is rolling. And you're um, Montrez Harold or whoever is Zubac, whoever's starting for the Clippers. You're coming. You got two on one, LeBron and Anthony Davis. Either way, it's 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 a foul layup dunk or kick out for the shakeup on the weak side, which is the weak side player going from the corner shaking up literally. Basketball is very literal, shaking up to the wing three. Right. Because if his man tag, LeBron's going to kick it out. And who is that? That's Avery Bradley. Who is that? That's Danny Green. Or it's a lob to the rounds, Anthony Davis, or it's LeBron coming out dunking or laying it up for the foul in the end one. So he's not going to give up that. Playmakers don't give that up. I don't care who you are. When you're at the top and, you all, and you're considered the GOAT, you ever seen, like, you know, Kobe say, you know what, you know, I'm getting older. <laughs> now I'm just going to play out a Powell Gasol. No, that's, that's not going to happen. No, but that's Kobe too, though. Yeah, it's the greatest mind. You got to have that mindset. The greatest to ever play have a mindset is I'm going to make it happen and the ball is going to be in my hands and I'm going to create the action because I know how to get to certain spots on the court where they're like trigger points on the court, right? The elbow is a trigger point. If I dribble to the elbow on a pick and roll, the defense is going to start to shift on that weak side. They got to rotate. It's only so many rotations. They have to make them. If I get into the paint, it's another rotation. And once you understand the rotations of basketball defensively, and if you have the ball in your hands, you, you can manipulate your offense and the defense to your advantage. It's only when you don't understand that when you see players make a pass. You'll be like, he's not open or bad pass or why did he shoot it? He didn't study film. And we all know LeBron studies film every day. So you mentioned uh, the Rockets there for a second, Harden and Westbrook. I think they're going to play well together. You know both of them very well and their games very well. People are very skeptical of them, mostly because of Westbrook, and also people feel like Harden can't ever win that big game. So how do you think that the Rockets' season plays out? How do you think they do this year? I think they're going to be phenomenal. I think they're going to be there in the top three or four. And people always talk about, you know, Lakers, Clippers, Rockets. You can't discount the Trailblazers. They've consistently been three or four every season in the West, and they've gotten better. We all know when the game is close. And they have a white side. They picked they a white, white side. side. They got them better. We all know when the game is close, Dame can take over. So you're going to have these tandems. You got these unique guard tandems with, you know, the Rockets. You got James and you have Russ. And we talk about studying film. Russ, more than ever, is going to have to learn to study film more than he has to learn to hit corner threes or wing threes. And you say, why? Because when you go into playing a team, right, say, say you're going into playing – Portland Trailblazers, and you're the Rockets. You have to know how their defense is set. And I'm sure he knows this. 
But do you know the third and fourth rotation? Do you know the fifth rotation of their defense? Because that's when you need to really take your game to another level, and that's where Russ is going to be way more efficient. He hasn't been efficient, and now he's playing off the ball or limited with the ball. He has to be more efficient than ever. Otherwise, his numbers are going to go down as far as field goal percentage. So in the East, um, obviously I love the Miami Heat. But the East is a little bit different this, this year. The Raptors aren't going to be the same. Obviously, the Bucks and Philly, everyone's kind of assuming they're going to be at the top. But I think the Celtics are really good this year. I think they're going to be at the top of the East. And I do think that the Heat are going to be a lot better than people think. Now, you know a little bit about their rookie, Tyler Hero. What do you think about him, and how do you think the Heat improved this year? He reminds me a lot of Devin Booker at the same you know, rookie year. Entering a lot of confidence, a great scorer, a great shooter. Uh, he doesn't care. He's fearless. He can handle the ball. He can run a pick and roll. But rookies can't come in and impact the season unless they're really super special because it's 82 games. Right. You know, it's different. You know, you everyone can run and jump in the first 20. And then you watch, you know, the NBA in January. Guys going to start shooting layups instead of dunks. Right. And yeah, they, they hit a wall. It's completely they, different. They're, they're tired. Right. They hit the physical and mental wall. And then they pick it back up after all star break because you get excited about the playoffs. And bad teams get excited about going home, you know. So it's like, let me ball out and go home on vacation. So like, I think in the East, you know, in, in the NBA, people always talk about who's going to win, who's the top three or four, and then they talk about who is the A seed or who's going to be out. No one talks about the middle, right? No one ever talks about the middle. You talk about Tatum. Tatum to me reminds me of a younger James Harden, not the same type of game, but he's going to have the same type of explosion. He is a scorer. He is a number one option. And that was the major conflict between the Celtics last year, between he and Kyrie. Not personal, but for the program of the Celtics picking who is our number one guy. They right. both wanted to be it. And that's a good thing to have a lot of times, but it's also the most difficult things to have, the challenge of facing who's going to be the number one guy. So Tatum, to me, is going to have an extraordinary season. He's going to be dominant. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to explode. He's a phenomenal scorer. And then you talk about winning the East. You got Milwaukee, who's expected to win the East. The pressure is on Milwaukee. And they're not expected just because they're talented. They're expected because they have to keep Giannis. There's no guarantee they're going to keep him. Yeah. The Lakers have his brother, right? So it's, 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 it's no guarantee they're going to keep him. You just never know what's going to happen. So when, when Giannis is playing, he's going to be on a point where he's going to be like, Playing his best to win, but it's always something in the West Coast where you can see him in AD and maybe a LeBron taking a lesser salary in the future, and that could be very dominant and global for the NBA. Uh, yeah, basketball brains would explode if that happened. I never even thought about that as a possibility. Um, so Zion's going to be out for six to eight weeks, um, had an MCL surgery. Uh, do you think that affects his uh, – possibly winning rookie of the year because everyone's just assuming he's going to get that. And what do you do? Like if you are, um, if you're coaching Zion, what do you, how do you handle him? How do you see his development coming along? Um, Zion has a, he had a phenomenal preseason. No one could stop him. Um, people said he needs to shoot and he can shoot the ball. He would be confident shooting, but I never understood this. When Shaq was young, people said Shaq dunked too much. So what? Stop them. That's the, the point of basketball is to get the easiest shot possible. Right. And if that shot is at the rim, now analytics supports that, take the shot. If no one can stop you driving to the basket. Zion played against some of the best shot blockers in, in basketball. Um, and the point was Zion catches the ball on the wing, he attacks your body. 
Some players attack space. They attack angles. He goes through your entire front part of your body. He breaks you down and jumps through you. So if you are a leaper, he's crashing into you. You fall back, he finishes over you. He right. literally goes through you. And Hubie Brown would say that. When you have a shot blocker, <laughs> you have to take it through his f***ing face. Right? <laughs> he would say that. Like, two hands through his f***ing face, and you take it to his f***ing face. Zion does that naturally. Right. He's going to be phenomenal whenever he does come back. Now, their training staff that they have in New Orleans is the same training staff I had in Phoenix, and they're legendary for being a great training staff. And here's going to come the unique part. They believe in load management, not just in games, but in practice and also in the offseason. So if you have load management, not just in games, but also in practice and in the offseason, how does he lose weight? Is that the biggest factor with him? That's you think? the biggest factor. He has to lighten up so his knees won't take a pounding. He's so explosive. You have you have Michael Jordan who will fly through the air as like finesse and poetic as abstract art, right? And then you have Dominique Wilkins who just came through with force and Charles Barkley and just landed like, you know, like a torpedo, like boom, hard landing. Then you got players who are, you know, light on their feet like you know, uh, Gilbert Arenas was very athletic. He was light on his feet and almost like ballet. And then you have players like Derrick Rose, who was forceful. You have Russell Westbrook, who was forceful. You have LeBron James, who's forceful, who's very forceful, but he lands soft. Then you have Zion, who just lands heavy. Boom. Everything is forceful. Everything is pounding. Everything is heavy. He has to lose weight. But where does he lose weight? Because NBA players... We're not going to go swimming. We're not going to go really to spin. We don't want to go to spin class. We're going to do hot yoga. I struggle getting NBA players into hot yoga. That's an older veteran thing. Right. So how is he going to lose weight? You tell an NBA player, I just play pickup all day. Let's hoop. Right. They want to hoop. But if you have load management and you can't run and you can't pound, where do you lose the weight? So they have to be very creative and have some measures for him to lose weight because it has to happen now. So, well... I mean, I highly suggest hot yoga, but... Hot yoga is good, but you ain't going to see Zion in hot yoga. But hot yoga would actually be really good for Zion. It's, it, it's no impact on your knees, helps lose weight, becomes more flexible. It, he's at the point now where he has, to, he has to start running because the season is starting. Hot yoga in June and July to lose weight makes a lot of sense. Hot yoga the first week of the season, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost too late. Like yeah. the, 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 the test is today. Like, right. you know, that's like studying the day of the test. It's not going to work. What uh, what do you think is the best storyline for this season? Because everyone's going to focus on, obviously, the Lakers and the Clippers and Battle of L.A. and Zion, like we just talked about. But what do you think, other than those you know, ones that mainstream storylines everyone's focusing on, that we should pay attention to? Utah Jazz. Mike Conley. Mike Conley is one of the best point guards at that position to play in the last 15, 20 years. He's really that good. Every player on another team will tell you when you face Mike Conley, it's tough. He can run a pick and roll. He can shoot behind the pick and roll. He can get in the paint, and he knows angles. And most players, when they come off a of pick and roll, it's two dribbles removed, one, two. And then you start to feel uncomfortable because the defenders are so long, right? Even my wingspan is 6'8". I'm 6'1". 
Like imagine a six eight guy actually having a wingspan of like seven two or seven one. Right. So Mike Conley had the patience and the ability to take the extra dribbles, the third, fourth, and fifth dribble, get in the paint, he can shoot with either hand, the right or the left. He is highly skilled. So when you place him in Utah with a team that's been always kind of on the brink of something special but never getting over the hump and with the fan support, which is one of the best cities to play in in the NBA, they have a chance to really disrupt a lot of things. They have a chance to disrupt who people thought would win the West in early rounds of the playoffs. So healthy is always going to be the number one key. Right. Mike Conley is going to be special in Utah. And then what's changing the NBA more than ever is load management. We don't know who's going to play most of the games. We just don't know. We learn as we go. So we don't know if load management is going to hit the Lakers. If it's going, to, We know it's going to hit Kawhi, but it's going to hit Paul George. I don't know. Well, Paul George, we probably won't see Paul George for a couple months. So When he comes back with low management, hit Paul yeah. George. We don't know. Because a lot, of, a lot of coaches feel this way. They feel like we're good enough to get to the playoffs. I want our, our stars, our superstars healthy getting into the playoffs. So the Celtics are going to do the same thing with their young guys. Just let them go. There's no low management. But the Celtics might play a veteran team in the East that might be low management. They might have great wins in the regular season, which is going to change during the playoffs. Right. Um, so the Warriors, obviously, we've talked about for, uh, what is it, five years now? Yes. Heller and, and T are both uh, Warriors fans. So you have to take a break this year, I think. Um, so Clay, Steve Kerr said Clay's going to be out for most, he, he's predicting he's going to be out for the season, which to me is not news because it's an ACL. I don't know why anyone thought he was coming back early anyway. And I don't think the Warriors are ever going to rush back a player ever again after what happened to KD, even though that might not necessarily be one person's fault. It happens. So I don't see that happening. But we kind of still feel like we might be sleeping on the Warriors. Are we sleeping on the Warriors? Because they do have D'Angelo Russell, but they don't seem like they have a lot of depth. I don't like the combination of uh, D'Angelo Russell as a starter with Stephen Curry. I don't like that combination. Clay worked better because, you know, when you talk about backcourt and you talk about certain players, they have to fit. They have to make sense. There has to be rhythm, rhyme, and, and reason to it. Like, let's, let's take it back. Rondo was great with the Celtics because he had Ray Allen coming off of pin downs, right? Right. He had KG, who was like the 6'11", 7'1", Draymond Green, playmaking and passing and quarterbacking. And then he had Paul Pierce who could play in isolation. So he had different options. They were different. All three could score, all three different. When you're in a pick and roll, what makes you great in a pick and roll? When I can run a pick and roll as a ball handler and my, and, my, and my screener can roll to the rim and put pressure on the rim, Harden and Capella. Right. And then I can shake someone up from the weak side to shoot a three because it makes that defense on the weak side pick and choose their poison like a Gordon, right, or the shooters they have in, 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 in Houston. Houston. So we bringing it back. I don't know, you know, if Stephen Curry is in a pick and roll. Draymond's not really rolling to the rim. He's mostly popping, and he's playmaking. If he is rolling, he's catching it to kick it to the weak side. But D'Angelo Russell needs to dribble it, too, to catch his rhythm. You have two guys who need to dribble. I love D'Angelo Russell on that team with a healthy Klay Thompson coming off a six-man. But when you got two guys starting to need to dribble, the Warriors are known for what? Sharing the ball, passing, .5 basketball, drive it, pass it, shoot it, .5 seconds to make a decision. Don't hold it longer than .5 seconds. That's what Draymond was good at. That was Clay was good at. Stephen Curry was good at. And they gave Stephen Curry the leash to do more. They gave Kevin Durant the leash to do more. And what did people say? 
They're not the same. They don't share the ball the same. The ball's not moving. Well, if you say that with Stephen Curry and KD, what are you going to say with D'Angelo Russell and Stephen Curry, right? So I really don't like that. I think what the Warriors did, what Golden State did, is they paid him as an asset, and they're going to decide when to move him because every team needs a young point guard. And the time is not now. That's the time that you move a player in February or through the summer. And you think they can do that with even without Clay coming back? Uh, I don't. If you, you can only do that if you get something back for that, right? Yeah, right? Certain players you have to get back, and we don't know who those players are going to be yet, because when the NBA season starts, everyone's in the locker room saying we can do something special, right? You know, because you just have you know we're all competitors. We feel like anything is possible, and then twenty five games in, you look in the mirror and be like. We need a trade. <laughs> we can't do anything special. Right. We have to mix it up now. So let's try to find a trade for December. Or if not, let's fight until February All-Star break. So you've played for and coached with some of the greatest coaches in all of basketball history. You're mentored by John Wooden. Uh, you always talk about Hubie. Who do you think is the most uh, underrated coach in the NBA right now? Oh, good question. Most underrated coach in the NBA right now. Um, hmm. I think every coach has their pedestal where they have this. It's not that many coaches in the NBA that didn't come from a powerful family tree, right? I would say one of the most underrated coaches of all time. Um, to me, that's hard because every coach gets their due. You know, for me, Jerry Sloan wears the mantle. Popovich wanted to be like Jerry Sloan. So what did he do? He got a point guard. He got a power forward. His, his favorite, you know, Spurs are known for saying good to great. Pass up a good shot for a great. I heard AD say it the other day. That's a spur terminology, mm -hmm. good to great. Lakers cannot claim that, right? <laughs> it's not possible. You can't claim someone else's lyrics and rap. You can't do it in basketball. That's a Spurs, ter Spurs terminology, good to great. Pass up a good shot for a great shot. Right. Point five basketball Spurs ter terminology. Pop wanted to be like Jerry Sloan. He loved him. That's probably why he cusses all the time. He just loves him. The same as far as like strict, regimental, Pound the rock, everything done the same way, same plays. The pregame board is simple. Basketball is simple, simple plays, great players, right? When Pop built the Spurs, he got a point guard, and they drafted a par four, Tim Duncan, right? right. He had Avery, Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson gets old. Who's he replacing with? Tony Parker. Tony Parker gets old. He's playing DeJounte Murray, and before that, he got LaMarcus Aldridge. He's going to keep that same routine because Jerry Sloan did it. John Stockton, Carl Malone, right. right? What made the Spurs different is where Pop took the platform of Jerry and enhanced it is they got Manu Ginobili. They got a third wing score when the, the Utah Jazz never had one. They didn't have, they just had role players who could shoot, but they didn't have role players who can get you 30 to 40. Right. Right, and what made him very different and more unique is that he started Ginobili off the bench because he felt like you couldn't start three scores. So when you really start breaking down the greatest coaches, it's hard to break them down or who's the most underrated coach. Doc. No one talks about Doc. Yeah. Even though he won a championship, even though he has a chance to win it again, no one talks about him. He was on a he he lost to Bias Harris. Right? right. And and that was a bold move. And what I how this is just my perception. I don't know. What I think happened is Jerry West saw a move for Kawhi Leonard. And saw ahead. And saw ahead and said, we're not going to pay Tobias. Let's get him off the books now. And let's open up our cap so we can do something special in the summer. But this is going to put a lot of onus on you, Doc. Like, 
and could really crush your team. And what did he do? He brought them together and put their backs against the wall. Doc's from Chicago. And he was like, we're going to fight our way out of this. And they literally took on his personality. So to me, he is the most underrated, even though he's always been, he's already been celebrated, if that yeah. makes sense. No, that makes sense. That's that's a good answer. I like that. Um, so speaking of Doc, who do you think will win the cha- Who do you think will be in the championship and who do you think will win? Um, who do I think? I mean, it's, it's all health related, right? But what well, I, let's assume, yeah. So assume let's assume everyone's healthy. healthy. All right. So I, I say Clippers and I say Milwaukee. And the Clippers win? Clippers win. Clippers win. And people say, oh, the Lakers are long. This is one of the biggest teams, tallest teams, you know, in the NBA. Well, Milwaukee wasn't that last year? Yeah. Right? They they wasn't one of the biggest, longest, and tallest. Chris Middleton isn't small. They, you know, Eric Blessel might have been the shortest one, but they wasn't one of the tallest. Kawhi is the Terminator. He doesn't <laughs> care. He comes through every city and he dominates and he yeah. shuts down organizations, right? He's just, he slays you and he goes, you know what? I'm done slaying people from Canada, right? <laughs> I'm going to go to L.A. And even though LeBron is recruiting me to come to the Lakers, I'm not going to go to the Lakers. I'm going to go next door because it's my mission to now terminate you. And he does that, and he does it with no expression. Like, I don't, I don't know if he goes back home and he laughs about it, but he does it with zero expression. It's like he's the Terminator. Like, it just is who he is. He really is. That's Yes, he absolutely is. I don't – yeah, it is weird. I can't imagine uh, Kawhi like, – like, what's Kawhi do when he gets down? Uh, you, I'm, you can't tell. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he laughs. <laughs> um, okay, so we had our, before we let you go, we had our annual Halloween party this weekend, and you were Kylie Watson yep. from Above the Rim, Dwayne Martin, and I was a Vivian Ward from Pretty Woman. Um, now, we, we we went through a lot of different costumes, because he was going to be uh, Denzel yeah. from He Got Game. Yeah. Which we were really close on it. I, I don't want to wear a Donnie wig that one, and, but yeah, and the, the thick mustache. The wig like and the mustache. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be difficult all night with all that. So we went with Kylie Watson, which was yeah. great. But um, you're like a basketball movie savant. What are your top What are your top five favorite basketball movies? Top I know I'm putting you on the spot. Is there's a lot. Top five favorite basketball movies for me. Um, Blue Chips is up there. This is not in order. Blue Chips. Okay. Right. Uh, he got game above the rim. Tupac, you got to go Tupac. Um, oh man, um, honestly, what really motivated me as a kid and it kind of captured me, and I feel like I had a chance was uh, Hoop Dreams. You know the the docu the documentary movie of the kids from Chicago. Yeah. And the fifth one. Um, this is this is one of the first basketball movies like um, I saw. And it was given to me by um, a really close family to me is uh, Heaven is a Playground. And it's about basketball. It talks about the jo- the joys of basketball. But there's a lot of good basketball. It's, it's hard to choose great basketball movies. It's, it's a lot. I, I haven't seen one recently that really captures the essence of well, what's a re- well, basketball Well, what's some of the recent ones? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. I, can't I don't even think, think there is any. Coach yeah, Coach Carter. Carter. Yeah, I love Coach Carter, but people think Coach Carter is corny. I had a coach like I had a coach like Coach Carter in high school. His name was Leonard Sparkman. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, with me in a huddle, and he had all these plays, right? And I, you know, I played the point guard sometimes on offense, but on a team was short. I played center on defense, right? We're little, and we've been in a huddle. He'd draw up the play. I get out the huddle, and I draw up my own play on my hand, right? I tell, you know, the one of my best friends, Joe Mack, I'm like, hey, I know you drew up that play. F*** that, f*** that. This is what we're going to do. 
you I'm gonna go I'm gonna come up to the wing I'm gonna go back door and throw me a lob and you know we we completed it probably 85 percent of the time and when we didn't complete he just start yelling from the sideline pull me out the game like just get on me like you know he's like you want to coach a damn team get your own team one day <laughs> so he kind of motivated me to be a coach you know so I was he like, planted the seat huh? he like, planted the seat yeah I was like okay cool I get my whole team I'll show you like 20 years from now you know, like, <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on, baby. Really appreciate it. Um, you can check Earl out on NBA TV this season. So he'll be breaking everything down on NBA TV. Um, and obviously follow him on Twitter. He's always good insight. And uh, I don't tweet. Sometimes you tweet. tweet. You do. You act like you don't tweet, and then you, uh, you'll you low-key just drop something. And then just – what you do is you tweet, and then you don't check it. That's I tweet what you do. ten times a year. No, you don't. You tweet it like ten times – okay. You and don't I'm, tweet a lot, but you do have yeah. – you do have – you do drop gems on Twitter, though. Nice. You just don't check it. You Ten don't get times involved. A year. You and Ryan get involved. Yeah, I mean, he's it's Ryan. He comes to my house and he speaks for himself. Talks crazy about the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, and thanks for coming on, babe. Appreciate it. Are you ready for what's ahead? You can't always predict the future, but you can game plan for it. Generations of families and businesses have harnessed the power of Pacific to help them reach their unique goals. Whether you need to save enough money to meet your needs, ensure your family is protected, or make sure you don't run out of money, Pacific Life has a variety of financial solutions that can help. Pacific Life counts more than half of the 100 largest U.S. companies as its clients and has been named one of the 2019 world's most ethical companies by Ethisphere Institute, protecting what matters most to people for 150 years and counting, that's the power of Pacific. Ask a financial professional about how Pacific Life can help you game plan for your future or visit PacificLife.com. With it. With it. What? We about to turn up in SB. All right, Heller, what am I winning or quitting today? Okay, the Cowboys ended a three-game slide with a huge divisional win over the Eagles on Sunday night. After the win, owner-slash-GM-slash-mascot Jerry Jones spoke up for his embattled coach, sort of, saying that he's, quote, looking for reasons to keep Jason Garrett. Joy, Jason Garrett never gets the credit when the Cowboys win. Wit it or quit it. Wit it, for sure. Jason Garrett gets no love. That is not a compliment. Uh, I'm looking for reasons to stay in this situation. Not what you ever want to hear. Um, I, I don't even think at this point if they won a championship, he would get any love. Like, he might not get fired, but he's not going to get any love no matter what he, do, he does. And it, uh, look, I'm not a Jason Garrett fan per se, but I also appreciate consistency. And here's the facts. The Cowboys are currently on top of the NFC East at 4-3 and three after crushing the division rival Eagles. They lost to the Saints and the Packers, both respectable losses, two mm -hmm. of the best teams in the NFL, not two and three behind the Patriots. Um, and then the Jets, which, look, you know, it happens. Zeke is running again. The offense is clicking again. And, I mean, the rest of their schedule isn't great. They're at the Giants, which I think they'll win. Um, then they have the Vikings at Lions, at Patriots, Bills, at Bears, Rams, at Eagles, Redskins. So not a whole lot of easy wins on there. I would say the Giants and uh, Redskins are the, are the only, I would say, locks in that situation. So it's not like they have a great season ahead of them or schedule ahead of them. But I think that they'll still make the playoffs. Like, And, and the way that the Eagles are going, it really doesn't matter because you don't expect the Giants to, to rip off uh, wins for the rest of the season. And the Redskins are irrelevant. So... Uh, unless everything that we're seeing with the Eagles is, is fool's gold, it looks like it's their division anyway. So everyone just calm down. As long as they're healthy going into the playoffs, they're in the best situation they can be. But Garrett, Garrett has also navigated straight chaos in Dallas. Like we've all just forgotten everything that was going on with Ezekiel Elliott the first couple years of his career. 
like we don't talk about it now because seemingly other than holding out which everyone does and there's nothing negative about it Ezekiel Elliott has been a huge issue for them off the field remember that time where he got suspended remember when he was in the news every other day with like inappropriate guns in uh water guns in Key West and remember Cabo St. Patrick's Day Lots of stuff happened. Jason Garrett navigated all of that. And like three of the last five seasons, they've managed to win the division. So they'll, and they'll likely do that again this year. He, he has a very decent record as a head coach. I don't, sometimes I feel like the Cowboys have this idea. And, and here's what it is. This is the, this is the two reasons why Garrett gets so much hate. One, he seems like a yes man and nobody likes like a suck up in the company everyone like hates the guys overly laughing at the boss's jokes and it's just annoying like, every, like everyone's their best friend they bring unnecessary like bagels and coffee yeah. on a normal tuesday yeah. like every week it just just well that's actually kind of a nice thing to do but in general you know what i'm talking about like nobody likes that guy and it seems like he's that guy with jerry jones because everyone wants to you know it's the cowboys coach you should have this commanding presence and they already have that. It's called Jerry Jones, and he's not going anywhere. And if you want to keep that job in Dallas, then you keep Jerry happy. And the only way to do that is to be a yes man to Jerry Jones. So it's – I don't understand what the issue is there. That's actually kind of a benefit that you can keep Jerry Jones happy and there's not dysfunction in the, in the front office. The other thing is that they don't win the big game, which I can understand. But as Jane Slater said, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. So mm. – I mean, what other head coaches are floating out there that you think could make a, a, a big difference? Like I said, he's consistent. So for better or worse, Jerry's never going to give up control. So honestly, is there a better coach out there that's going to really make a difference? Like, who's available? Mike McCarthy, you feel like he could be successful in Dallas? I don't. I don't think if you do anything other than what Jerry Jones specifically says, and he manages to keep the locker room on board, and he manages to navigate chaos, you never hear issues with him and players. Uh, like, I, I don't really know exactly what Cowboys fans want other than wins, but you are restricted because Jerry Jones is so involved in the team. And everybody loves Jerry. Like, I love Jerry. Everybody loves Jerry. Jerry's the greatest. He's great with players. Like, th there's no changing Jerry Jones, and he's a national treasure. However, he is Jerry Jones. So if you're not going to get somebody in there who wants to run their own program and doesn't want to hear anything, like Bill Belichick's – that's – what? What? Can Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones even exist in the same room, let alone – Bill Belichick coach for the Cowboys. And I'm not suggesting that it's going to happen. So everyone calm down. Like, she doesn't even watch sports. Just relax. I'm not suggesting that that's an option. I'm saying for an example, the greatest coach of all time would never work with Jerry Jones. So I don't know what specifically the Cowboys want, but it seems like you have a good situation, a steady situation. Don't become that team that starts firing coaches for, for no reason, really. Like he's on his last year. I, I think he should just stay. I think they should stick with him. What's next? Uh, the Colts have emerged from the pack with back-to-back -back wins over the Chiefs and Texans. As a result, the AFC now appears to be a four-horse race. The Pats are the, def the defending champs. The Chiefs have Mahomes, hopefully back soon, maybe even missing no time, depending on how crazy he's trying to be. And the Colts and the Texans have high hopes. Joy, the Chiefs, Colts, Patriots, and Texans are the only contenders in the AFC. Quit it or quit it. I'm going to have to quit it because I think I have to add the Ravens to the conversation. Still? Yeah, because there's still a lot of football to be played. And as we've seen this year, there are injuries everywhere and constantly. And big-time injuries, too. So as, as it stands, right now I have to have the Ravens in that conversation because any anything can go wrong with any of these teams including the Patriots and we're having a completely different conversation come playoff time that said the Patriots 
uh, continue to ruin my life, <laughs> and I'm I'm so sick and tired of it. Like I've, I'm I'm almost to the point where I'm about to flip back over. So for for, for the first uh, 19 years of Tom Brady, 18 years of Tom Brady's career, damn, that's I've, a lot of years. I've, I've hated him. I've hated watching the Patriots. I've rooted against the Patriots with every fiber of my being. That hasn't changed. But after the Atlanta Super Bowl, I said I give up. I'm just going to appreciate Tom Brady for the greatness that he is. I'm not going to be that guy 20 years from now that didn't appreciate watching the greatest to ever do it. Do it while I was, you know, spry enough to enjoy football. Okay. That said, can you relax? Okay. <laughs> can we just please get somebody else in the conversation? We were all so happy to have the Chiefs in the conversation. And then Patrick Mahomes was hurt, which absolutely sucks. And then after demolishing the Jets last night, which, by the way, I mean, you – the, the Jets organization never fails to amaze me. Who the f*** decided <laughs> it was a good idea to put a microphone on Sam Darnold? It was a collective decision to put a microphone on Monday Night Football against the New England Patriots, the undefeated New England Patriots, coached by Bill Belichick, quarterbacked by Tom f***ing Brady, with the best defense that they've had in probably the last 10 years. And he's on his second game back from mono. And you want to slap a microphone on him? How did you think that was going to play out? I want to have that conversation. And that is the difference between the Patriots and the Jets. The Patriots, who everyone knew was going to win the game, probably just said, no, actually, we're not going to mic anyone up. All good. Mic up a corner, dude. Yeah, dude. Who cares? They mic up who... anyone. They mic up. Any... Sometimes, honestly, they're like, so-and-so's mic'd up. I'm like, he plays for them? Who's... Who cares? Who... Why would you ever put on the quarterback? Okay, anyway, it's fine. Yeah. So the, the Jets deserve that. It's not Sam Darnold's fault that that happened. That said, after demolishing the Jets on Monday Night Football, oh, what do we do? Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's Bill Belichick. I can't sleep until I ruin everyone's lives. I'm going to go get Muhammad Sanu. How does that even happen? So now they have Muhammad Sanu. Um, so once again, they level up in the middle of an undefeated season. Um, by the way, Emmanuel Sanders is on the 49ers now, mm. too. So good move by them. Uh, but we're talking about the AFC right now. Clearly, the Patriots are the best in the AFC, which is super, super annoying. Um, and uh, by the way, before we move on from the Patriots, uh, that smile from Bill Belichick last night. No, not that yeah, smile. Not that one. This one here, this is showing teeth. The one on the sideline, okay, when he was when he was canceling those, uh, when the Jets were declining those those penalties that he purposely made them do so he could run the clock off, and he's trying, he's like this. I mean, he's giving the somebody farted in an elevator and you're trying not to laugh smile, and he knows if he cracks one little chiclet out his lip that it, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be flag gate. Yeah. Like he knows yeah. everyone's gonna be on his. Sh so he's just trying to remain calm. That was incredible to watch. It's going to haunt my dreams forever. Anyway, after the Patriots, I think it was with the Texans in there. They outplayed Mahomes um, and the Chiefs, and Watson, Watson has a clutch gene. And they finally have an offensive line, Sunday aside. The mm -hmm. Colts, obviously, as you mentioned, are playing amazing. They have the two strongest line combos, uh, trenches in the league, I think. The offensive line is literally just a wall that just moves up and down. And Jacoby Brissett is on pace to have the most touchdowns um, in the league this year. Then you have the Chiefs who eventually get Mahomes back. But let's say, I, I know there's like some talk, like someone was asking uh, Andy Reid if he was going to be back this week. Like, just stop. He's not going to be back this week. Let's say, so, so the timeline is anywhere from three to six weeks, okay? Let's conservatively say five weeks, right? Not the longest, not the shortest. So let's say he's back in five weeks. They have the Packers and the Vikings the next two weeks. So probably two L's. 
And then they're at the Titans, at Get the right. LA Chargers, winnable, and then a very important game against the Raiders, which he could technically be back for. So if they're lucky, they're three and two. Okay. I think they go three and three in the next six games, and that's not good because their their defense is terrifyingly inconsistent. So if they're healthy going into the playoffs, great. Then we can get back to the conversation we were having at the beginning of the year, which is they really don't have the defense to win a championship, but maybe Pat Mahomes can carry them there. And then the Ravens, like they're fun to watch. They have a, the top offense in the league, and Lamar Jackson's playing at an MVP level and can win in multiple ways. Unfortunately, it looks like none of this is going to matter, though, and the Patriots are going to be in, in another Super Bowl. And I'm so sad. Hear ye, hear ye. MJ is super petty. So Michael Jordan was doing an interview promoting his new tequila. I don't know the name of it, but he, he was talking about, you know, being a grandpa and his tequila. And he was asked about, um, he said that he would, if he had to pick a pickup team, he would play with Akeem Olajuwon, Magic Johnson, Scottie Pippen, James Worthy, and himself, and they would be unbeatable. That happened in 2013. So he was asked if he would make any changes to that group today. And he, he said, would you keep those same four? And MJ said, in a heartbeat, I'm going in the trenches. I played with and against all these guys. I'm going with who I know every single night. That responsibility to go out there and represent greatness every single night. And then the question was asked, so Steph Curry shouldn't be offended. Interesting. They didn't ask if LeBron should be offended, uh, but okay. Or Kobe, Steph Curry uh, shouldn't be offended. And MJ said, I hope not. He's still a great player. Not a Hall of Famer yet, though. Bro. So obviously everyone's like, damn. Cause obviously <laughs> Steph Curry's a Hall of Famer. If you stop playing today, he's a Hall of Famer without question. And I don't need to go down the reasons because we're all agreeing with that. What we're trying to figure out, what everyone's trying to understand is why why would Michael Jordan feel like he needs to say that Steph Curry is not a Hall of Famer yet? Is because he doesn't believe that his career is Hall of Fame worthy yet. Uh Chris Haynes made the argument today that he's literally saying he's not a Hall of Famer. Yet, I do not agree with that because who would literally say he's not a Hall of Famer yet? It'd be like saying Tom Brady's not a Hall of Famer yet. It would be like, so you mean he doesn't have a Hall of Fame career yet? Like, no, he's not literally in the Hall of Fame yet. Like, yeah, we know he's not literally, literally in the Hall of Fame yet. Like, literally, literally, yes. Okay, yeah. we get that. But why would you say that? Because we literally know yeah. that. <laughs> so I don't know what Michael's doing here, but... Magic for the win swoops in uh, because he did make he did make the uh, all time uh, MJ five so you know uh, he took to Twitter which we always love a Magic Johnson tweet and said everyone relax uh, we know Steph Curry is a future Hall of Famer Michael Jordan couldn't say it because he would get fined by the league interesting theory. Uh, I disagree again because I don't. He still said he's a great player, which is apparently a finable to begin with. So I don't think that MJ was thinking in that moment. Let me just say something like, let me kind of insult him so it doesn't. I no, I'm not gonna get fined. Also, I don't think MJ gives a fuck about getting fined for Steph Curry. So I don't know what's going on here. All I know is it seems petty, and I'm here for it because it's Michael Jordan. He can do no wrong. And also, I, I just don't. I want to know what the beef is specifically with MJ and Steph Curry. We've got to get to the bottom of that. Because remember also, Steph Curry's a North Carolina guy. Yep, there can only be one. Is that what it is? That's what it is. Think about MJ and think about his trajectory and his career. There can only be one North Carolina guy, and it's, it's him. It's not the worst it's him. theory. It's probably the top theory that I have. Other than Michael Jordan just, uh, just saying what he feels in the moment, I think the literal theory is off the table because literally it literally makes no sense. That's probably That does make sense. 
So there can only be one of us. But I don't think, I mean, I guess, like, I think when I think of MJ, my first thought is not North Carolina. When I think of Steph Curry, my first thought is not North Carolina. So that's still a bit of a stretch. You, found, you, you solved no, it? No, so I have, I'm confused about something else now. The name of the tequila is called Sincoro Tequila. Sincoro. Which translates apparently to five gold in Spanish. He got six gold. Did he only have five MVPs or something? Like what? He does only have five MVPs. So, so his his tequila is named after his individual awards. And you think he's gonna let Steph Curry get anything out of North Carolina? He's the best. <laughs> yeah, God. He's the best. Look God. at the ring. He's the best. Look at those glasses. Look at that uh, corduroy hat. It's not corduroy. It's like um, it's, mesh. It's like mesh. Oh man. For the sun. Yeah, get that. You can't pull that off. I, he, neither can he, I would yes, argue. Yes, he can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. High key, Lamar Jackson is back. And low key, he is in the MVP race. He actually got a huge win in Seattle, 30-16. to 16. He's only 9 for 20 with 143 yards, but he had 14 carries, 116 yards. And uh, it's called a, a double-triple, um, which is my new favorite stat, double-triple. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue like triple-double. He's the Westbrook of double-triples, though, it sounds like. Um, he's, well, he's in second place all time behind Michael Vick, so he's trending in the right direction. Um, he now has the Ravens atop of the lowly AFC North, which they're going to uh, run away with. And he showed he can win in both ways, which is, you know, he looked like the fastest player in the field. He just took the game over, took it in his hands, and right now he has the second-highest odds at the moment to win NFL MVP at plus 650 on Fox Bet. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are tied at – Plus 275. Right now, I think Rodgers has the best case for MVP. Um, one, because I want to be right, because I predicted that at the beginning of the season. And two, he has a new offense, and he hasn't had Devontae Adams, and he still had five touchdowns uh, throwing and one rushing on Sunday. So I, I think that's what's going on. Russell Wilson, I think, will end up slipping out of it, even though he's had an MVP season up till this far. It's two two losses at home like that, uh, not, not really looking that great. So I think that that will end up evening out. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to pull ahead, but Lamar Jackson played incredible, and um, they're they're just they're just fun to watch, and 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 he's so easy to root for, and as long as they stay consistent, they are going to be a problem, I think, for someone in the playoffs. So high key, the Saints continue to roll. Low key, I mean, we're done with Trubisky, right? Mm-hmm. We're all collectively done with Trubisky. Mm-hmm. So Teddy's undefeated. Saints continue to roll. Killed the Bears Sunday, uh, twenty three. Of 38, 281 yards, two touchdowns, didn't miss a beat without Kamara against a great defense in Chicago. They have the Cardinals at home next week. I don't care about that win um, against the Giants. Don't get crazy with the Cardinals here. Um, that The Saints win that solidly, and there are talks that Drew Brees could possibly be back this week. Please don't rush Drew Brees back. I don't know why they're even talking about bringing him back against the Cardinals. You're playing with house money at this point. Teddy Bridgewater's un- undefeated. Like, Just let Teddy finish this out. Let Breeze rest another week and then you get the bye. It makes no sense. Now the Bears, to be clear, like I never liked Trubisky. I was never a fan of Trubisky, and I didn't think this was a good pick, and I didn't think he would be great. Um, but it doesn't matter what I think because I'm not in charge of the Bears. What I will say though is they have to do something about it because they have an incredible defense. They have a Super Bowl level defense, and as we know, there's very limited windows to win championships in sports. And if you don't make aggressive moves and do something about it, then you're going to have wasted all this defensive talent for what? So what can they do? Well, Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports had a crazy suggestion, which I fully agree with. Now we talked about 
Colin and I talked about it yesterday, possibly trading for Teddy Bridgewater, but Colin was talking about at the end of the season because I don't think the Saints move up Teddy Bridgewater in the middle of this season because Breeze did have an injury. So that that's just too risky to do. So I don't think Teddy's going to be available. If they want to make a move this season, there's an MVP-level quarterback who just got benched. Not Marcus Mariota, because, of course, we know he's not an MVP-level quarterback. You said MVP-level, yeah, right. Yeah, so I want to be clear. <laughs> Marcus Mariota got benched this week. Uh, Cam Newton... Seems like he's available to come back, and they are sticking with Kyle Allen. So, if you're the Bears, what do you have to lose? Make a trade for Cam Newton. Clearly, the Panthers don't want him. They're going to move off him at the end of the season anyway. And be aggressive. Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. aggressive. That's um, the extent of the, the cheerleading cheers I know. Um, yeah, I mean, that just makes perfect sense to me. I know it sounds crazy, and everyone's like, oh, Cam Newton's not good anymore. He probably needs a change of scenery. First of all, and he has something to prove. Great jacket weather there in uh, Chicago. Great jacket. Going to be great hats. Okay, Chicago is a very glamorous town. I, I I just think it's the move. Like don't don't be the guy that's holding on to the guy that everybody knows isn't the guy. All right. <laughs> that's just that's my suggestion. For example, don't be the Dolphins. Don't be the Titans. Don't be the Bucks. Like there's there, what are my rules in life? Don't be weird. Don't be rude. Don't be dumb. Right. Also. Don't be the Dolphins, don't be the Titans, don't be the Buccaneers. If you follow those rules, you'll be great in life. You'll be solid, you'll have nothing to worry about. Loser power rankings, loser power rankings. These are the losers, the losers of the week. All right, losers, Philadelphia. To be clear, I love the city of Philadelphia. I know a lot of people don't like Philly. I happen to like Philly, and I actually understand their fans. I don't understand the throwing of batteries, but I think all fan bases have that one thing that kind of sticks with them. The throwing of the batteries thing. Well, didn't they beat up Santa Claus too? They booed him. They booed yeah. Santa. They beat him up or they booed him? They booed him. Ah, it's beating up sounds better. Uh, let's look, for example, Heat fans, they have the, the whole walkout where they claim Woo! the entire city of Miami walked out of the uh, arena. Most most people don't even know where the Heat play. Um, it's not on South Beach, so I don't pay attention to people getting c- critical of the Heat. Uh, we're going to be awesome this year. Anyway, the point is, I respect Philly fans, and I like the city of Philadelphia. However, the Eagles have completely fallen apart. Sorry, John Hill. Um, they're blaming each other, Justina Anderson, um, which, by the way, Josina does not get enough credit. The absolute most well-dressed sideline reporter in the history of sideline reporting. She's fly. Anyway, she's reporting. She's also very talented. She said that they are saying the offense is too complicated. Like, players are saying that the offense is too complicated for Wentz. That's not good. Lane Johnson is also talking about people being late to meetings, and they got work by the Cowboys, and they're like, there's not a lot of accountability. Basically, they're completely falling apart, and, um, you know, it's a far cry from the days of Nick Foles. Such a shame. Such a shame. Uh, so next is the Chargers. Oh, the, oh, but look, the ball oh, out. the ball. The ball's, you can see the it's ball, evidence yeah, that the ball's out. out. So, they, so they, they lost in the most Charger-like fashion uh, that you could ever you could ever lose. Uh, fumble on the one-yard line that would otherwise ice the game. Uh, it's over for Rivers and the Chargers. Um, I, I called it before the season, like this was going to be the year if they were going to do anything. Yep. Um, they should have had Melvin Gordon there from the beginning. The whole thing is stupid. And um, yeah. Yeah, there was that. I mean, we all kind of felt like that was an obvious. Man, I thought even when they went to review it, it was, it was almost like I wanted to like pick up the phone, like, "Yeah, it's the Chargers. Yeah. Just, just, don't <laughs> take much time on it." He obviously fumbled. But they scored, and then he was short, and then that's when everyone knew this is how the Chargers lose. Also, it was the Chargers, and that's what they do. Finally, Kirk Cousins' absoluters are absolute losers. I am in this. I'm in this category. I am not a believer in Kirk Cousins, oh. but that gosh darn Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's had 10 touchdowns and one interception in the last three games. 
Prior to that, the first four games of the season, he had three touchdowns and two interceptions. So I don't know. I don't know. If, you, if someone can explain Kirk Cousins to me, I am all ears. I don't get it. I, I guess as, as long as he's not playing in a standalone game, he's awesome. He's probably the most frustrating quarterback in the history of the world, except for the fact that I respect people who know how to make money, and that dude knows how to make paper for otherwise being a completely mediocre quarterback because he's good to bad whenever the which way the wind blows. You look like uh, he's, he's, he helped my fantasy team get oh, back okay. into so the playoffs. Yeah, so that was yeah, he's a big. Yeah, he's I a knew. Huge. I could see that yep. you had something that you yep. wanted to add there. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you should have ignored it. I should have ignored it. I should have trusted my instincts. Yeah. Never doubt your, uh, <laughs> your what, what, female intuition. Yeah. yeah. All right, time for the culture report. Before we get to tea, I didn't give you this beforehand, so I'm just going to add that Earl and I watched the first episode of Watchmen last night. Virginia King is awesome. I have no f-ing idea what's going on. No idea. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything. I have no idea. Do you understand it? I fell asleep. I didn't watch it all. I didn't see all the episodes. Okay. I want to like have my full attention on it. But it's blacker than I thought it was going to be. It's very black. Yeah. Which I love. Apart. Yeah. But I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. Is it, do you know what's happening, Jeremy? I haven't watched yet tonight. Okay. Well, I have nothing to spoil because I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so hopefully the second episode explains it to me further. All right. What's in the culture report, D? All right, so Rolling Stone's Top 100 Greatest Singers of All Time list resurfaced and has sparked some controversy. I'll just say that Whitney Houston's at number 34 and Mariah Carey's at 79. How accurate is this list? Okay, so this had the whole internet, particularly black Twitter, very upset. And, um, you know, so Whitney Houston is my... Um, she's my fairy godmother, right? Like I wanted to be Brandy when Cinderella came out because Whitney Houston is the greatest. Whitney Houston is the greatest of all time. The only person that I will accept making an argument with is Aretha Franklin. So I appreciate that they put Aretha first because it's between Aretha and Whitney. And I I can, I can understand if you feel like, I feel like Whitney's better, but I can understand if you feel like Aretha's better. I, I don't really have a problem with the top five, top six, um, when it comes to lists, as we know, we do lists all the time in sports, and, and they make people crazy. I mean, they make people fucking crazy, and it's understandable because you have your opinion, and for the most part, like like there'll be one or two or three people that everyone kind of agrees on, but it's like where you put them, and then there's always one X factor that they throw in there in these lists, and it's smart because it gets everyone arguing about the list and talking about the list. Clicks, clicks, and it's smart, and and I get it, but but Bob Dylan is not Bob Dylan should not even be on the list. I'm talking about shouldn't even be on the list. This is a list of singers? Singers. Singers. What what is the title of it? Rolling Stones 100 Greatest Singers of All Time. Singers. Singers. Now, if we're talking about poets, if we're talking about songwriters, if we're talking about influencers in the music business, fine. But Bob Dylan is not, like, just stop with this. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. I don't even think Bob Dylan thinks he's a good singer. um, No. Like, (laughs) Bob Dylan saw that, like, hot. Yeah. I can't even pretend to sing a Bob Dylan song. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, uh, Okay. I mean, look, obviously Mariah Carey should be higher. Um, Whitney Houston should be higher. What's the other, like, huge, huge affront? Because, like, like, you can argue most of these, and that's that's the problem. I think what they really messed up is they just – I don't even think anyone would really trip over this list if they hadn't slapped Bob Dylan at number seven. Anyone else, like, it's really just a matter of preference. Who's, who's the top five? Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Elvis Presley, Sam Cooke, John Lennon. Elvis Presley, number three? I mean, Elvis Presley, like, it depends on what you... Per- per- look, he's the king. Like, <sighs> you, it's tough, but he's the king. Like, I wouldn't put him there. I don't listen to Elvis, but I'm also not going to trip 
because he's the king. Okay, so like I'm I'm not gonna trip over it. Bob Dylan though, trippable. Um, all right, what's next? Okay, so you called it joy. Kanye West um, tweeted his new album, Jesus, Jesus is King, will be out October 25th. It will be featured in IMAX theaters. Do we actually believe him this time? Yes, we do believe him. Um, Johnny, we have we have the evidence. Uh, so as you, uh, if you're new to the podcast, Undefeated, Never Lost. I'm never wrong. And here's, an, here's yet another example of uh, just figuring things out. Through, you know, follow the breadcrumbs. I did a little scooping for you, and uh, you might just want to wait a little bit and s- stop sitting by your TV or your phone waiting for that alert because what it seems like it's going to happen is he has a film that's coming out with it called Jesus is King, and that is not going to premiere um, until October 25th. So probably the album will come out then, and they were just like very premature with letting you know about it. You're welcome. I hope you didn't waste too much time. I hope you didn't set any alerts on your phone uh, for when it was going to come out because I solved it for you. And at the end of the day, uh, for all of Kanye's genius and, uh, you know, Kim's stupid tweets on the napkin or whatever, uh, they were f***ing with you. And this was very obvious. Once they announced that the film was coming out, it was very clear that they were going to do it at the same time as the album because why wouldn't you? Uh, I don't know why artists do stuff like this, but uh, next time, just, you know, come join the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast and I'll let you know and stuff what's going on. I have no I have no insight from Kanye. I don't have a relationship with Kanye or Kim. So that was just uh, that was just pure marketing logic. If he comes on the podcast, though, do we all have to wear earth tones? I'm not. I'll tell you what I'm not wearing. Uh, those slides. Nope. Mm. Earl hates slides. He does not appreciate when I wear them. I still wear them because they're comfortable. But uh, yeah. I, 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 th- I put some Crocs on the other day Woo! and he was not happy with me. And now they're very comfortable. So it was, I'm, I am comfort so- over everything else. It was very difficult for me to leave those Crocs in Kansas City. Um, but but crocs are for leaving places for sure not going for those half croc half uh um no those sandals are not coming anywhere near these feet uh but you know i like it jesus is king october 25th what's next (laughs) all right so the final trailer dropped for star wars the rise of skywalker that's set to release on december 20th 2019 do you think the trailer gave us enough to be excited it looks awesome i love her and I love Star Wars. What's the problem, Jeremy? Jeremy's not excited. And then, it, like, yeah, I was excited about Star Wars. And then Jeremy's like, oh, I'm not excited. I don't care anymore. What do you mean you don't care anymore? It's Star Wars. It's just boring. The last one wasn't that good. Like, how is this? How do you think this one is going to end is my question. I mean, I think her and Kylo Ren fall in love. And they defeat the bad guy. And we're Aren't they related? No. I bet they're related. What do you mean? But we think they can't do they can't do that to us twice. He's gonna be related. Classic Star Wars move. No. Classic Star Wars move. I do not appreciate that. That better not be what happens. That's what Disney. I'm saying. I just okay. feel like we are we are down. still emotionally recovering from Luke and Le- <laughs> Leia being related. Okay. We don't want any of that that uh, inner family nonsense. Okay. So they they team up at the end. There's a there's a clip at the end where they both slay this dust guy. And that's where I think it happens. That's my prediction. Um, otherwise, I'm very excited for it. Um, and I'm, it, it's going to be, theater's going to be packed either way because it's Star Wars and it's awesome. All right, thanks, Steve. All right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what? I stabbed boy? myself prior to starting this. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast with the pen on accident. Yeah, um, we appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe on our YouTube page, Maybe I'm Crazy with Joy Taylor. Thanks to Earl Watson for joining us today. Um, thanks for 
joining us and watching the podcast. Make sure you follow on social media as well at Maybe I'm Crazy Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook. We are on iHeartMedia, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So if you didn't like the way you listened today, try another way. Uh, we appreciate all so the options. all the listens. There's so many options for you. You can't miss us. Um, appreciate it, and we'll catch you next week. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. Oh.